Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royal Friends Podcast. This is Walter Emerson. I want to thank you all for uh, listening. Uh, hopefully, you've listened to the other episodes. And I've been going through the what I call the phenomenology of the uh, Royal French Hearts of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese. And that as you, if you've been following me, you know that it, it really began when I had an experience uh, where I felt the importance and, and even presence to a certain degree of St. Joan of Arc in my life through the writings and uh, hermeneutics of St. Therese of Lisieux and her plays and poetry. And it this became a, a transformational point in my life. So it my, my life completely uh, changed around for the good. Uh, I think as far as as far as that goes compared to what it was before. And so it, uh, it really transformed my life. And that's why I share these these episodes and share my experience in developing my what I call my model, the Royaume France model, which is really a d- sort of a discovery, phenomenological discovery that led me to kind of uh, see a, a bigger picture, kind of see, a kingdom, well, something that I might interpret as, you know, some manifestation of the kingdom of, of God. And so since it was so important to me and since it uh, literally transformed my life going through this process, not just the experience, which was the starting point, which is what I want to talk about today, but it, it was the process of working through this that has, has transformed my life. So I, I share it. I, you know, I don't know. A lot of people um, may not be interested, but hopefully there will be some that are. And uh, this is really done so that it might inspire some, or maybe it resonates a little bit with something in someone's life, and there might be something here that they can kind of take. So I encourage you to go back and 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 listen to those uh, from the beginning. Hopefully they'll make sense for you. So what I'm up to now is the this uh, this point, as you know, listening, you know, I really emphasize that what happened to me was this recognition that uh, I, I was on a journey. So this whole thing became not so much uh, my, the com- my comfort, you know, a devotion of comfort, trying to find comfort in the afflictions of life, which I certainly do a lot of that uh, and, and follow that. But this became something uh, really different. It was, it was really like a call, like a you need to go on this journey. And so journeys are things you just kind of, you know, go through uh, – through good weather, bad weather, climbing mountains, going down through fertile, beautiful green valleys. You know, it's, it's, it's really not about the comfort of life. It's about the objective and the purpose. And I think that's what was really missing for me was that life-giving purpose, that, that objective. And, and this gave it to me, this experience. So, but what I recognized and you know I've also been talking a lot about Edith Stein, St. Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. I always refer to her as Edith Stein because that's how she's known in the world of of, uh, philosophy. But I I came across and started integrating some of her work, and what I realized was that I I very badly needed her influence in phenomenology because the journey I was on was truly a phenomenological journey, that it was something that, that would require that type of that type of thinking, and so that's that's how I started really developing what I call this 
this phenomenology. So I'm, I'm kind of up to the point where we've talked about, you know, this, this, you know, need to see the world as Joan of Arc sees it. I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to follow her. I felt the Lord and Our Lady, I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to follow Joan, to, to they have a message for me uh, through Joan of Arc, and they want me to follow. So I had to turn away from myself, outward from myself, and start looking at her. And I needed to forget about the way I looked at the world and start looking at the way she looks at the world. And this is what I've been talking about. So in phenomenological terms, I began looking at her horizon of meaning, her nomadic field of meaning, what's important to her and what's not important to her. Because we all walk around and, and things, that are, things that are meaningful to us we pay attention to, and then there are all kinds of things that are not meaningful to us that we simply uh, disregard. And so our nomadic uh, field of meaning is that horizon in our mind when we look out to the world of our worldview where we have particular things that are very meaningful for us and it's sort of in a, in a, in a forest of irrelevances. So it's just surrounded by all kinds of irrelevances. Now the question is, is what does my field look like? Do I, have, do I find meaning in the same thing Joan does? And, and are there irrelevances that I should be paying attention to? And are there points of meaning that actually should be irrelevant to me. So I wanted to kind of map myself and, and to how she, how she thought. Well, of course, I don't know exactly how she thought, but I can pray and, and ask for the guidance uh, of the Holy Spirit, ask for grace and do reading and study and, and come up with hopefully something that would resemble uh, how what her nomadic field, what her horizon of meaning might look like. And so what I, what I talked about last time was it kind of got me up then to where uh, it led me to, you know, kind of three really important questions. And, you know, those, those uh, uh, questions, ultimately I felt I had to go in order to, to continue this journey and to understand was, you know, here I was surrounded by all this meaning you know, the experience I had with St. Joan's meaning, the journey is meaningful and all that. But how do I go deeper from that? So I sort of ended up with these three questions I talked about last time. You know, I, I said, well, one thing I need to know is, I mean, what does it mean that something's meaningful? I mean, what does that even mean that something's meaningful? So, uh, and then the second thing was, what does the meaning I've received mean? <laughs> In other words, what is it? And then the third thing, of course, was, you know, what is the meaning of me getting this meaning? You know, why did I receive it? So the first one was really ontological. What is, what does it mean for something to mean something? The second I considered to be phenomenological, which is what is this that I have? What is this meaning I've received? And then the third was teleological, driven toward purpose, which is why did I receive it? So that became a very inspiring set of questions for me then to go and, and, and answer. And so the, uh, you know, what I, what I found was that I needed some definition. I don't know if this is, um, you know, I think it's probably a de decent definition. Uh, these things are hard to get any kind of agreement on, so I'm sure people have a lot of different opinions. But the best I could do in coming up with, the, you know, what does it mean for something to mean something is that it's, the way I put it was, it was something toward which we direct our, our it's in a form of intentionality, toward which we direct our, our volition. So it's what I call the intentionality of desire and, vol and volition. It's something that uh, 
uh, I focus, I draw, it draws my attention and I have this, this, and you know, everything else kind of fades away. And I look at this with intentionality and I desire it. I desire to move toward it. And I, and I actually do move toward it. So it's one thing to desire to move towards something, but it's another thing to actually will it. And that's why I called it the intentionality of desire and volition. So it was, that became sort of my working definition of meaning, the intentionality of desire and volition. And then I had to look at sort of the the other end which is what what is the uh what does it mean what what is the uh, teleological piece i kind of went to the third phase and said well there's there's sort of a gestalt kind of picture forming this was this is interesting because as i began to uh describe my journey with saint joan and saint Therese, i could kind of see i I referred to it as a kingdom in the distance (laughs) i could see something that was emerging out of the mist as sort of a kingdom. So if you know phenomenology, that's a very phenomenological way of looking at the world. And I needed to see what it was I was receiving from this experience. And so I knew that the reason I was getting it was the, was the, um, the, 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 the gestalt was the image to bring forward and to bring out of the mist to undisclose that which is disclosed in, in this process. And of course, the process, which is the, the second question I had, is the phenomenological process of going through and, and doing that. And so what is that, that third point? Well, that third point, I mean, excuse me, the second one, the, the second phenomenological one then is, is putting that together. And so that's basically was taking... Um, my interpretation of, of trying to look at Joan's, what I would think would be her horizon of meaning, her nomadic field of, re, of meaning, uh, n- knowing that I don't know that for sure, but f- the best I can uh, can determine from prayer, contemplation, spiritual reading, uh, reading about her life, her history, and coming up, and, and also reading the, the writings of St. Therese of Lisieux, who was very devoted to St. Joan and who, again, you know, provided and has provided really the key hermeneutic for me to understand and interpret Joan's life through the eyes of St. Therese. And so then what, then kind of the, the process that is, as you look in that horizon out there and you see different blocks of meaning, and then you start seeing they relate to each other. And, it, you know, like a gestalt image is like where you get that, you get that piece of paper. I used to go to, you know, the, the restaurants for breakfast or something when I was a kid and they had that little piece of paper and, and, and you couldn't tell what it was, but you'd, you'd connect the dots. And then when you connect the dots, you'd see it's a duck or something like that. And that's really the gestalt is connecting the dots and seeing what the picture is. And the picture is that gestalt uh, image. And so you, you can look out into that, that field of meaning and say, okay, here is the, there, there seems to be a picture, kind of like Trump put it, connecting the dots and, and looking and seeing that this is a duck. And so you start seeing that and you, then you start saying, well, how would this fit together? H- how would it fit together logically so as to bring forward an image that is that make that makes sense, an image that's coherent, an image that is uh, uh, would seem to be true, beautiful, and good, 
Uh, and so you start, you know, you start putting that together. So it's a really beautiful process. It's a phenomenological process. And then all of a sudden, you know, the model that I've been developing really came forward. And the entire process that I'm going through is just changing my life as I'm, as I'm going through it in a very positive way with regard to my Catholic faith and my devotion to the Mass and the sacraments and to Our Lady and the Rosary and, of course, of course, to the Eucharist, which is the is always that Eucharistic adoration's always been the the center and uh, of that of that co- contemplative activity. And so, as you as you go through, the one thing that you notice is that you don't really see it all at one time. As you put the picture together, you know there's a, there's this notion of order and chaos that's very popular today, and I think it probably fits. Uh, we could also ter- uh, term it as, you know, sort of un- things that are undisclosed and we bring them into uh, disclosure. We bring them into the open uh, and to where we can see them and understand them. And so you can kind of put these together and you start seeing how they relate to each other and you start kind of building uh, what that picture looks like and then you can kind of see. And so you kind of go into this, you order it and then you think you have it. But then you're you're sort of enmeshed in more chaos because it, the the ordering what you just ordered actually raises more questions, kind of like when you we walk through a, on a journey through a, a forest or through a meadow or th- something like that, you know, you, as you emerge into new places, you see new mysteries, and then you got to pursue those new mysteries, and that's how this phenomenological process works is you kind of put those pieces together and say, oh, I think I have it. And then you you look at it and you go, but wait a minute, that's opened up new mysteries for me. You know, Edith Stein talks about that in some of her writings about how, you know, every time you think you've, uh, you've got, I don't have the reference with me, I think it's impotency and act, but I don't have the reference with me. But she talks about that notion that every time, you know, you that this process is like you go into, into a room and you, th- you, know, you think that's it, but there's always another door uh, leading to another room, and, and so there's always more to discover. And so there's sort of that, uh, if you like that that uh, metaphor of, of order and chaos, it's kind of like that. You you bring order out of the chaos, and suddenly it's order, but then you're you're enmeshed in new mysteries, which is new, new chaos. Phenomenologically, uh, we would uh, call that really, uh, you know, uh, bringing things from an undisclosure, uh, they're kind of hidden away, and we bring them into the open field where we can where we can see them. And as we journey into that open field, we're confronted with more mysteries, and then we have to, uh, you know, pursue those other open fields where we can put all this together. So it's a it's a beautiful process. It's really a it's just a journey. It's it's a way of defining and putting some discipline around the journey. So instead of just kind of seeing what happens every day we have intentionality you know we 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 have a certain you know we're on a journey it's time to get up it's time to go forward there's there's that intentionality and we desire it the reason we actually go and do it is because we really want i i really wanted this that my desire to understand who is Joan of Arc and and what is this the meaning of this experience and I want to know her better and I want to I, I want to you know really have a, a close relationship with her. I want whatever the graces are that that 
that our God would want to give me through her. I want all of those. So there was a desire there. And then, of course, you have to actually, uh, you know, move your will to go and to go and do it. So it's really this phenomenological process is just a way of putting some discipline around your devo- uh, your devotions and actually, you know, di- realizing that there's an objective, there's a starting point, and that starting point is something real, like this experience that I had, but it, it doesn't give you the answer to what it is. So it's this wonderful experience that I had, but like, what is it? Well, the answer to that question is kind of contained in the experience itself, and you have to unravel that as you go forward, and your life is transformed as, as you do that. And so in my own way, I feel that it's been a marvelous journey you know, with St. Joan of Arc and with St. Therese, and I pray that, uh, you know, I pray that I've been uh, faithful and that I uh, am reasonably on target, and uh, that uh, you know through prayer that I'm you know somewhere <laughs> where I should be, but it really is a tremendous process and a tremendous uh, journey, and, and that's that's kind of how it works. So I'm you know I just con- continuing on to do that. My life continues to be transformed, and this discipline of the phenomenological process is really beautiful. So anyway, I want to end there again. I don't like to run these too long, but uh, I've got uh, probably at least one more in this season for this particular topic uh, that I'd like to cover. And uh, then those 10 episodes will probably constitute uh, season one. At least that's what I'm thinking right now. And then I'll kind of work on what I want to do next. But these 10 episodes are really going to be devoted to just this discussion of, of, you know, what, what is this process? Because other people may relate to it or find some inspiration in, in it. So anyway, thank you very much. I hope you'll listen to the rest of the podcast. I hope you got something out of this, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you. God bless.